Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Let's lock in. This is Unrivaled. Yes! Yes! The teams you live for. The sports you love. With Scott Mitchell and Alex Keurig, presented by G2G Bars. On 97.5 B KSL Sports Zone. So, so, so. All right, welcome back. It is 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Keurig, Scott Mitchell, thanks for being with us on the program. Tons going on. Listen, we are just a day. That was a short all-star break, by the way. And it, poor jazz guys who had to, like, stick around and participate in everything still. You know, like, they they, they had to hang out and be a part of uh, all the festivities. Because then the game on Sunday happens. And they had until, you know, probably yesterday before they got back, reported, started practicing again, whatever. Because I would imagine there's a bunch of guys who are like, I'm heading to Mexico, man. I'm doing this thing. Rudy, before he was an all-star, wasn't the whole... He'd go to Mexico, right? Anyway, bottom line is, I think that everybody is ready for some real basketball to happen. And the Jazz are going to fire back up tomorrow. They're back at home. So welcome to your last 22 games of the season, uh, if you're a Jazz fan. So yeah, 50 games in the book. No, how many games in the books? 50... No, it'd be uh, it'd be if if they've got twenty two games left, that means they have six. They've played sixty already. Then, right? Am I am I doing that math right? Yeah, because there's eighty two games left. So they've already played sixty games, and they have twenty two left. They're playing at home uh, tomorrow. So tune in for that, and uh, we've got more to go. Of course, this week getting ready for that. Um, let's kick off the hours we always do. We have to cut to uh, jump into the program here, and let's get it going. The other question. Undeniable, unrivaled. Top sports story of the hour. Here's what made the cut. Uh, We will get to uh, Dan Wolken of USA Today in just a moment here as we get our uh, phone lines figured out. In the meantime, Scott, before we do, I did see this. uh, I did see that that, uh, George Klyavkov, you know, I. One of the things that I've I've been interested in is that he's only been doing this thing for a year and a half now, and he's already done a better job. I think everybody can recognize that. But this might be one of those things where you pile this on top of losing USC and UCLA, which I don't know if you could. Do we blame George Klyavkov for quote unquote losing USC and UCLA? Do you look at at uh, at, at George Klyavkov and go, "You blew it, man. You screwed it up for this league." 
So you've got that. And if they're not able to get a good media rights deal, George Klyevkov is going to get saddled with a lot of bad vibes a la Larry Scott, right? We're talking about a guy that could be really fighting himself in a – and a guy who I think – and you and I both talked about this. He's done a great job, and yet the worst things that have happened to this conference have happened in the last little while since he's been – since his 10 years uh, been there, only 18 months uh, right there. So there you go. I mean, it's a lot It's a lot to overcome. You know, there, there were a lot of challenges with it. They made – it feels like the Pac-12 made some fatal, fatal flaws, fatal moves, and I think for what he's inherited and what he's done, he's he's done a massively good job of thinking outside the box, uh, creating some confidence. Because the reality is, is and the perception of the Pac-12 right now, I mean, the the product on the field, a lot of people should be really excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Now this last year, uh, I mean, was crazy. And even teams that are going to be here in the Pac-12 still going forward, I think there are a lot of arguments to be made that the teams who are going to be here still are the ones who are making the biggest are going to make the biggest uh, yeah. you know strides. And USC and UCLA going away, that was such a rug out from under everybody. And the unfortunate thing is that with this media rights deal that is just getting dragged out is going to be something that I, unfortunately I think that George Kleafkoff is going to have to live with being saddled with that as well. Joining us right now on the program on Unrivaled. Dan Wolken, USA Today, uh, wrote an opinion piece about this very thing last week. Uh, and you can read his column there at USA Today. And where is the where where does George Klyavkov sit, Dan, on all uh, like kind of historically already a guy who's made a lot of strides and really couldn't do worse than Larry Scott, but some bad stuff is happening under his watch right now. It's tough because he certainly inherited a bad hand. We all know that. Uh we can maybe have a conversation about whether he bears any responsibility for, for USC and UCLA leaving. I'm not sure he does. I think you can blame him for this fantasy that UCLA was somehow going to be held in the Pac-12 by uh, the, their, their regents, which obviously was, was not the case. Um, and that was a waste of time and effort. Uh, maybe you can blame him for an overly rosy uh, picture that has been laid out for the presidents in uh, the Pac-12 about what their TV deal is going to look like. All that stuff is certainly up for debate, uh, but you, know, you have to deal with the situation as it is. Uh, you can't go back and change the past. And I think the question now that he has to deal with and – that everyone in the Pac-12 is going to reckon with is, all right, what is this TV deal going to look like? And if it does not meet expectations or does not measure up to, as an example, what the Big 12 got, what does that mean for the future of the conference? So, um, you know, my, my concern, I don't know if it's a concern, but it seems like it sure is taking a lot of time. And, and you listen yep. to George – talk in the, the Pac-12 media days about all the different avenues and ways they're looking to get creative and, you know, whether whatever that is, whatever relationships they're trying to forge that maybe aren't traditional, like traditional TV outlets, are, are there enough and what what are the, the potential, like thinking out of the box ways that the Pac-12 mm. could generate money? Is it enough to, to keep the conference together and to be competitive with the other conferences. 
Well, that's the big question, and that's going to be when all this comes out in the wash, how George Klyovkov gets judged. And it does not appear that there is a deal on the table right now that is going to get them to where the Big 12 is. I firmly believe if that was on the table that the deal would already be done. So I think what they're having to weigh over at the Pac-12 right now is what is the mix? What is the combination of, of television, of streaming, and of whatever else that essentially puts them in the same ballpark as the Big 12 financially while also maximizing their exposure? And it's not going to be easy because part of the problem with streaming is, is this is not me, this is people who work and cover this space on a day-to-day basis, who know it really, really well, what, the, what they say is that the streaming, like Amazon is an example, they don't, they don't want the volume. They don't want the tonnage. They want the best game. And yet, if you don't have the best game to offer, say, ESPN, then you're not going to get a lot of value from television. Uh, it doesn't appear Fox is all that interested in paying much money. To, to do this, it doesn't appear that CBS or Turner's involved. I, I don't think NBC's involved. Um, so what does it look like? You know, how do you piece it together? How do you take a little streaming, a little linear television, and and get the numbers to where where you you need them to be? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's a real tough challenge. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Dan Wolken, USA Today, joining us here on Unrivaled, Alex Keery, Scott Mitchell, and we're walking you through what this might look like because if people are going to have to start signing up for uh, that extra streaming service, the Apple TV Plus is, of course, the one that's been thrown around most recently. Uh, but that's another point where you go, look, if they've got money and they want to throw it uh, out there, it does seem that there's this interesting, weird co- competition that is out there where it's like, hey, can you beat – the Big 12's number, which I don't know how that became the standard necessarily. So how, why is it that they feel like they have to, you know, quote unquote, beat Brett Yormark's mark of 31 and a half to $32 million per institution? Well, I think the obvious answer to that is at least if you go back uh, over the last, you know, eight months to when we first learned about UCLA and USC leaving the Pac-12, it, it sort of became this, turf war between those two because clearly the Big 12 was interested in you know in in taking um, some of those teams if if they were willing to leave um, the Big 12 has been pretty upfront about their interest in in expansion and 
you know, let's say that the Pac-12 comes in, you know, three or four million dollars per year per school less than the Big 12. Uh, is that enough to satisfy those 10 schools uh, that they're going to stay and be committed to the Pac-12, at least in the short term? Probably, probably does. But, you know, let's say it's, you know, seven, eight million dollars a year less and that's the best they can do. Well, then all of a sudden, you know, if you're if you're Arizona, if you're Utah, Colorado, you know, maybe you start looking at the Big 12 and saying, uh, you know, hey, you, you're still interested. You still got room for us. Can can you um, can, can we get what you guys have? You know, then it becomes pretty, pretty interesting. So um, I think that's the reason why being measured against the Big 12's deal is going to be pretty important. What do you make of this whole solidarity thing uh, with, with the the, t- the ten teams that are staying in the conference? That they 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 came out with a statement and uh, I, it was consummating their relationship, mm, and they were they sexy. were all com- committed to one another. Um, <laughs> you know what, what what does that mean, and why would they have to even do that? Well, as I said at the time, if that if if you feel like that statement is necessary, then things aren't going great, <laughs> right? Um, because if, if everything's sort of on track and, and it's all good and you're right at the doorstep of making this great deal, then you don't need to put out that statement. Uh, so that's how I read that. You know, um, I, I guess, you know, because there's just been more and more reporting out there about potential disappointment uh, of, of what the deal is going to look like, that, that that's why they felt the need to do it. But, um, yeah, it was certainly – certainly interesting and and i don't think really fooled anybody what's the state of washington and oregon do you really think of because uh when you when you're telling people how great the relationship is and trying to put it out there obviously those two pieces are the next big pieces that could fall but how committed are they to the pac-12 do you think is it really just like well we're as committed as as much as we can get out of this relationship because you don't want to stay in a bad relationship if you're not going to get paid uh, by these schools. And if the possibility is floating around there to earn a lot more money elsewhere, what about a Washington and an Oregon leaving and just blowing up what is the Pac-12 currently? Well, I'm pretty sure that Washington and Oregon had a lot of interest in going to the Big Ten. But I think the Big Ten, the presidents in that league, uh, kind of shut down any thoughts for Kevin Warren to, to go grab those two. Uh, it was certainly in, in under discussion, but I just think ultimately the big 10 presidents decided, or we're not, we don't want to do this right now, uh, if ever. So that kind of ended that. And of course now Kevin Warren is out and we don't know who the next big 10 commissioner is going to be. And so that's, that's a bit of a variable here. Um, you know, I, what I'm sort of interested in is uh, again, let's just say that this media deal comes in and it's really disappointing and it, it sort of ramps things back up about, you know, is the PAC 12 going to fall apart to me for Oregon, Washington, uh, you know, and I don't know, can they leave without Oregon state and Washington state? Uh, would there be, you know, some, some state legislature issues in, in there? I, I don't know all that, but to me, the wild card in this is, is the ACC. The ACC is locked into a media deal that, that is, is not really good for them. It's, it goes way out into the 2030s. Uh, it's it's going to leave them financially way behind the SEC and the Big Ten. And, you know, is there something the ACC can do to shake this up, you know, get ESPN back to the table, get them to give them more money, 
you know, if they have sort of a Pacific time zone component to, you know, bring more content to the ACC network and to sort of satisfy that, you know, that football Saturday late night window that is really sort of the Pac-12's best property. Um, to me, that's sort of interesting. Uh, but again, I do think it's, it's contingent on uh, a lot of things sort of falling apart here in the media negotiations. Does it make sense for the Pac-12 to expand? And a lot of talk is about SMU, San Diego State. Are those the best options if that's the case? And Or, or are there other options? Well, you know, I'm not sitting there in the, in the meetings and the negotiations, so I don't know exactly what information you know, the Pac-12 is getting from the, the networks, from the streamings, and from, from the consultants that are involved here. Um, you know, if you, if you feel like you have to have 12 or more uh, because you need the, the inventory, as they call it, of games, uh, then, yeah, I guess San Diego State makes makes sense to me because you you have Southern California that you can somewhat recapture, I guess. Uh, and it's, you know, a solid program, good market. The SMU thing doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, I don't I don't really know in the Pac-12 in this in this particular state it's in why you would go to Texas uh, to, to grab like, you know, maybe the seventh or eighth most popular school in the Dallas Fort Worth market. I mean, it just it just doesn't make any sense to me. SMU is a, uh, it's a it's a great school. You know, it's it's solid athletic program, but it's, it's a small private school with a small fan base. Um, it's just what they are. And I don't think they really bring a whole lot to the table in terms of, you know, kind of what the PAC 12 needs. But then again, who does, you know, obviously Boise has had more, you know, tradition success. I think they're a higher profile program, but there's issues with, you know, academics and all that stuff. Um, I don't, I, look, the, the reality is there's no schools that are going to replace what USC and UCLA brought in terms of their value. Uh, it's not even possible. So it's a tough spot. You know, do they need to expand? I guess that's what they're being told. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't really think it's a, it's a great it, – it's certainly not expanding from a position of strength. Dan Wilkin, USA Today. You can read his column there uh, and uh, get a little bit of the insight of – what we've been getting with this uh, Pac-12 deal, when does the, the time run out? Or, like, when does it feel really desperate? Because it's felt desperate for a while, and it felt like there was a, a, a key time that had already passed. But what, where are we getting into timing-wise? Like, when does, when does this need to get done if the Pac-12 is going to be uh, even just, like, getting anything out of this deal? I, I don't know if there's a deadline, per se. Um, I think they, they – ideally, they'd already have it done. But, you know, we're getting into March and April. Um, you know, what are the factors that really impact the urgency? I, I, don't, I don't know exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's not great timing, that's for sure. I mean, you just had Bob Iger from Disney come out, you know, a couple weeks ago and talk about how they've got to be really careful and selective with the rights they're going to bid on at ESPN uh, because they're they're going to you know have these negotiations in the future with the NBA and that's going to take up a lot of their money. Um, you know, obviously the economic situation overall is is not ideal. So uh, I, I don't know the time pressures here and, and what they have to do. But you know, as you get into March and April, it, it 
it's it's gonna it's, it's gonna create a lot of tension if uh, if if nothing's done. Uh, we really appreciate it, Dan Wolken, USA Today, right here on Unrivaled, uh, breaking down this Pac-12 breakdown of what you're going to be doing to watch this uh, this conference going forward. Maybe in a couple of years, Apple TV Plus, you'll be uh, you know platinum subscribers, and you'll be able to catch all the Pac-12 games you want. Thanks for hanging out with us, Dan. We appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Right. Yeah, thanks, Dan. There you go. You know what's crazy about all this? Nah, Pac-12 is actually going to be really good next year. It's going to be really good. And I mean, it's weird I'm, I'm the top to bottom in the conference. And and they can't find a place to, to have people watch it. It's it is wild. That is exactly right because you go and and that's not that's U that's U, USC and UCLA, notwithstanding. Like take those guys away, and yeah, you don't have that uh, the former or the Heisman Trophy winner from last year in Caleb Williams. But I think you're going to get just as good of uh, of production out of Washington now, just as good of production out of Oregon. Utah's going to be right there again. I mean, it, it, I mean, don't try to count out. This is ridiculous to say, but Colorado now with Coach Prime. I mean, they've sold out their spring game, Scott. I know, and the transfer portal is a real thing. It's part of college <laughs> football, and you're seeing a lot of these quarterbacks that are have not had success in other programs, and they come to the the Pac-12 and kind of reviving careers, and so it it becomes an appealing landing spot for some pretty big names in college football. Maybe George Klyavkov does really have something wild that we don't know about. Apple TV Plus, he's got somebody over the he's got somebody over the barrel on on something over one of these networks. I, just, I like that the guy's taking his swings. I, I know, I know he's, he's missed. Like, he's smart. You know, just like UCLA, I know that was a long shot, but uh, you know they took a shot at it. They they tried. I mean they you know it, I you know I I can't fault him for for taking a shot at it. It's better than just going oh sorry see you, yeah. UCLA yeah. Although you I, might go, I bought a bunch of weak guys begging. I know. Please, UCLA, don't leave us. Stay I know. Here. We're going to make you stay. You know why? Because your lease isn't up yet. I'm going to keep you to it. It's like, dude, come on. Give it up, bro. But it is sad because he's a way better commissioner than Larry Scott. And Larry Scott can sit back and go, well, I at least got the media deals done. It could keep UCLA and USC around. <laughs> like He'll be able to say, well, I didn't lose UCLA or USC, did I? Checks both of his Rolex watches. It's 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless and I will never understand it I will never accept it I'm Amy Donaldson and unfortunately we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives but what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt in a new podcast The Letter we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives the realities of grief and the possibilities of forgiveness I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.